Come on, give me. Why, is, why does my delay? Why does my screen always delay it's, every time we play? Listen, in? you're too you're too slow. You're too slow, Cameron. <laughs> oh, apparently, something's going on with my DSLR. We'll fix it. You're later. too slow. You know, you got the PlayStation shirt on, so I know you're going to be running at a lower speed. I'm, oh, joking. Oh, I'm, do- I'm not. <laughs> We're not doing that. This is not. This is not, it's not what that show. Wars. We're not done. We're done. We're finished with that. So. Um, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 31 of the Rocket Punch Show. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Cameron, the man behind the fist here at Rocket Punch. Joining me, as always, is the Dark Lord of Hype himself, Mr. Darth Turner, a.k.a. Seth. Seth, how is oh. it going this week? I'm, I'm going to show you how it's going. Okay. Yeah! Animated Hogwarts <laughs> Christmas background. Yeah! I guess uh, uh, it is that time of the year now. I guess we can start oh, it's that. Oh, it, it it's, it's that time. I got my I got my Baby Yoda slash shirt on. Saving everyone. <laughs> Listen, I know this. In my mind, the statute of limitations is up. However, I'm being courteous to people that may not have a, had a chance to watch the show or are maybe waiting for it to end and then getting it via Fortnite or Xbox Game Pass or however you can now get Disney Plus. You buy Skittles, you get a month of Disney Plus or whatever. Really? Uh, no, that, that's not true. It's a joke of like, they're giving it out like, like candy. It's Oh, gotcha. Okay. Give it time. Now, listen, Skittles, if you want someone to lead that deal, give me a call at Darth Turner on Twitter. I'll arrange it. I'll, like Skittles. I'll call Disney and be like, hey, let's get some 30 days. Good enough for Fortnite, good enough for Skittles. Let's get some shit done, dude. Oh man, that's good. Yeah, we're we've got surprisingly some Fortnite stuff to talk about. Um, a bunch of other stuff to talk about now. No, it, it's the holidays. It's the the fun time of year. It's also, I, I think that and you probably couldn't corroborate this with me, Seth. This is probably the the busiest time for us. Like every time when we did Rocket Punch stuff together, like a lot of stuff we put together like in December for next year, and so like. It was always busy, especially near the latter half of the year because we did. It's because we are idiots, and we would always we are idiots, and we would always do thirty to eighty hours of game of the year content, and that was stupid and dumb, and we should never have done that. <laughs> but we did it. But it was fun. But we did. It, it. was yeah, a lot of fun. It was right. a lot of fun. We, we did do that. We did do that. Um, <clears throat> no, um, everything's good on your end. I hope. Um, I know. I know you're pretty excited about all the the Mandalorian stuff. Listen, the best, no spoilers, the best damn Star Wars since original trilogy. Oh, Cameron. Those are big words. Oh, it's, oh, it, I, I I feel alive. (laughs) I feel alive. It's, I I will say, realistically, it is the best since Rogue One. I think Rogue One was, was one of the best, like, like like post- Post Disney acquisition Star Wars films, mm-hmm. I wish they would do more like that. And I honestly think that the best lessons from Rogue One were taken into account for the Mandalorian. It's like you know we're going to work around the original trilogy. We're not going to try and like carve into. It. This is not a Star Wars podcast. You can't let me <laughs> start on but this so, show. I, I like you have such a wealth of knowledge that I just I love when you go off on the tangent and it was like, oh, tell me more about. You can't How let a man named Darth Turner Andor. talk about Star Wars on this show. <laughs> it's in the name, Cameron. 
Well, fine then, fine. Let's go, let, let, let's get rocking and rolling here. Let's talk about some games here, guys. So remember, guys, if you didn't know if it's your first time here, welcome to the Rocket Punch Show, your southern source for all things gaming, geek, and more. You can listen to us every Tuesday on your podcast service of choice. We are on all the big ones there, so search for Rocket Punch Show and go find us there. You can also listen to us live as we record the show each and every week, every Sunday, right here on twitch.tv slash rocketpunchlive. We go up about every, about between seven and eight every Sunday um, weekly there. So if you want to join us, be a part of the conversations, make sure you swing over and hang out with us. And of course, guys, um, you can always go to rocketpunchgo.com to catch out more of our stuff and see all the podcasts and videos and streams that we make for you here at Rocket Punch. Um, we have we we tend to have a little bit of fun doing it for you there, so definitely swing by rockpunchco.com and check it out. Um, we're going to talk about more. We're going to talk about we're going to give shout outs to our Patreon guys, Discord people, all the other stuff a little bit later in the show. Um, but first, before we get rocking and rolling here, a quick update on upcoming events and announcements for you guys here. Uh, the stream schedule. Um, I will I will tell everyone number one. I am I I am sorry about I'm, I still ran into trouble doing my devs giving stream this weekend. Um, uh, long story short, my wife is actually out of town for the entire week. Uh, she's on vacation with her family. And so that has, I'm on dog duty and there's a reason my dogs are not allowed in my office all the time is because they will hike a leg somewhere in here. Um, so unfortunately I had to divert a fair amount of attention to them to make sure they were taken care of this weekend. Um, that will likely be a pattern throughout the week. Other. So streams may be a little bit light this week uh, while my wife is out, but I do know um, I will be live uh, co-streaming the Game Awards this upcoming Thursday. Um, so if you want to watch the Game Awards with me, hang out. We make judgment calls on all the different awards and who wins and who doesn't win. Um, see if some of our predictions that we talked about in the last episode are right or wrong. Uh, definitely swing by Thursday and check that out with me. And then Friday, which is when my wife should be back, um, I will be, I mean, I will be like the other billions upon millions of Twitch streamers who will be jumping online and streaming Cyberpunk 2077 because after Thursday, that's the only game anybody's going to give a damn about. 6 p.m. <laughs> Central Time. On Wednesday is when it goes live. I know, but I have the collector's edition, and I don't know when that's going to go. Oh, yes. well, enjoy your statue. <laughs> I'll enjoy the game, and, baby. And, and the pins and the well, I mean, I could I could still get the game digitally if I really really wanted it that bad, but we'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out. But uh, Thursday Game Awards, Friday Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and then of course Sunday we'll be here for, uh, next week for another episode of the Rocket Punch Show. Um, in, that I'm sure won't have anything to do with Cyberpunk. Not none, at all. None. Not at all. None. Not at all. We're not going to be talking about it. We're just going to skip, you know. Not no now. big names in that game at all. No big names attached to that game. Um, and also, uh, because of the devs giving, um, the stream schedule and whatnot for this month is going to get shifted a little bit here, guys. I don't know exactly when I'm going to do the Rocket Punch birthday stream, but I will let you guys know here this week. So follow myself over at Twitter at Rocket Punch Go or Darth Turner over at Darth Turner there. I'm sure one of us will tweet out whenever Rocket Punch Go tweets it out. I'll we'll, we'll both retweet it at some point. I retweet him, so and I retweet him. So, guys, let's get jump right into it here. Um, let's first talk about the news here. We've got the top news items that we think you guys should know about this week. Uh, let's jump into number one, most important. 
for the most important game, right? The asterisk um, that may be subjective here. Uh, I, I don't know. Before we were before we started streaming, I remember Cameron saying to me, "The name of this game is the most important game, and I love it more than any other game." Those are the words you said to me, right? Yes, because I play this game so so much. Maybe will so much after you hear about what they're doing. Oh, yes, because apparently they're putting Kratos and Master Chief into Fortnite here. What? Yep. Um, this is coming. Um, one thing, Kratos, as of now, has been confirmed here. Reading um, on the official Epic Games blog, after challenging many Val- too many Valkyries to count, Kratos enters the battle in Fortnite. Kratos is among the first to join the hunt in season five, having fought those with the power to destroy the world. Stopping the existential threat is the loop. Should be nothing. Um, take Kratos into the fight to save the island. The Kratos outfit is available now in the item shop, either individually or, of course, in the Kratos bundle with the rest of the Oathbreaker set. Um, that got confirmed. And then, like, a day or two after that, we got more news. This is from Polygon's official blo- um, a blog here. Fortnite might get Master Chief plus other Halo goodies. Um, reading a little bit from this article here by Patricia Hernandez over at um, Polygon. Uh, Fortnite is showing no signs of slowing down this year after a record-breaking Marvel event. In a recent tease for a God of War crossover, leakers are reporting that the Bubblegum Battle Royale game might also soon see a Halo collab as well. Right now, data miners and leakers are sharing small, somewhat blurry images apparently hailing from web forum 4chan, because they're always reliable, uh, that appear to show that Master Chief in the skin select menu for Fortnite. Additionally, there are also images that show a tiny warthog and a pelican, both of which are vehicles that you can use in Halo here. Let's click the picture here, guys. Let's take a look here. Wow, that is a very, very tiny picture. Kind of looks like something that would come out of 4chan. (laughs) So, actually, let's let's see. No, yeah, that's even worse. Oh, that one's even worse. Yeah, that's even worse. We'll keep it up there. What do you think? What, like, uh, you know, take your pick whether, you know, Kratos is confirmed. Master Chief, on 4chan, it might be confirmed. The fact that they have Kratos means that um, Master Chief could very well be confirmed as well. What are you thinking about this? Like, uh, we, we haven't talked about, we, we barely talk about Fortnite that much because I just have such a passion for it that I, I play it all the time. And I just don't want to talk about it because I love it so I much. I mean, that community has its, <laughs> that community has its go-to people, right? And Rocket Punch, the Rocket Punch show is not that go-to Fortnite resource. I know that, like the, the recent season chapter, I think season two, chapter five is The Hunt. Uh, one of their big marquee characters that they showed off right from the start is the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Kratos is coming into the game. Um, it, if Master Chief comes into the game, what do you think? What is this all? What is all of this telling you? Is it telling you anything? What do you think about these additions into the Fortnite game? Do you think it will be? Do you think, as an Xbox person, if Microsoft collab with them and put Master Chief in the game, would this get you to play Fortnite a whole lot more? Okay, that I, I'm going to pin that last question for later. Okay. Because the, the, the desire to play Fortnite, I think, is a totally different conversation. What do I think about this season? Um, honestly, I think Fortnite is, is out of control in the best way possible. Like, it is, it is truly transcended... <laughs> gaming in a way that i could never have predicted if cameron if you had told me five years ago that there was going to be a game that allowed you to play as batman and iron man 
and uh, and a a Mandalorian, which remember five years ago, no one gave a shit about Mandalore except Dave <laughs> Filoni. He was doing his best on Star Wars Rebels to tell us about the dark saber, but nobody cared. And so, if you told me all of this, I would have laughed you off the stage, right? Like, there's so many things about gaming right now that is that's just so insane. We're talking. We've talked about crossplay. We've talked about yeah. all these crossovers, right? And and gaming has so big uh almost half the humans on planet earth play games now right and fortnite accounts for so like so many like there's no other single game that is more popular than fortnite right so it makes sense that brands want to partner up like if you remember that that avengers uh thanos event that was a huge success right like yeah you saw hundreds of memes going around i think that was 2018 or 2019 they brought it back in like 2019 but originally it was 2018 like that mm. was just such a huge success so it makes sense that like brands want to do this as far as kratos is concerned i first off i think they nailed the look of kratos in that fortnite style like fortnite has that very cartoony style and i think that epic's done a really good job of like translating a really gruff and serious character that's never been represented in like a cell shade no well you know like cell shading like that They've done a great job of like showing him off in that. It almost reminds me a little bit of like Disney Infinity. Like, remember how they would always do a great job of like converting these characters that look nothing like Disney Infinity, but then you'd look at it and you'd be like, oh, that looks that looks like Disney Infinity, right? And yeah. uh, so I think that that they did a great job here. Now, tying all this back together, dude, I want you to know, Cameron. My mouse was hovering on the buy battle pass button when I saw the Mandalorian. They got you. They did it. They listen. I didn't buy it because I was like, maybe I should play a game first and see if I like this game still. Because I did like Fortnite back when it came out. Like I enjoyed playing it. Boy, I'm hot garbage and I still don't like the building. So I did not buy the battle pass. But man, they know how to bring people in. They really do. I was I was this close. I had like some leftover V bucks. I was like, oh, it only takes. It only be about you know five dollars to to get just five get caught up that's there. A cup of coffee. Seth, come on. And so, but I said nope. I got too many games coming out. Cyberpunk's right around the corner. So so I I dove off of it. But I think this is a really cool season. Their whole shtick has been um, got to close the loop. Uh, basically, you know they've been doing this whole like interdimensional uh, travel kind of approach. Ever, really, ever since season two started. Yeah. So it makes sense that, you know, they're going to bring in Kratos. They might bring in Master Chief. I suspect, Cameron, uh, that this would be something we hear about at Game Awards, now that I think about it. But Good uh point. That's I, I, I want to take a moment to also say it's really awkward to see all the marketing plans that were made for Halo <laughs> way <laughs> earlier this year. And, of course, the contracts are signed. The deals are signed. So like, have to the, release the fireworks them. are going off. Yeah, the fireworks are going off. It's just there's nothing there to celebrate. Yeah. And so I feel like this is a similar situation of like, yes, Master Chief is a very Xbox embedded brand and would make perfect sense had Halo Infinite come out. But since it did not and has no future date, I, you know, it's it's just really, it's weird. It's kind of weird to be a Halo fan right now, but I think it's cool. No, I, I think this is cool too. The weird thing is like, I'm actually surprised this wasn't a um, a PlayStation exclusive Fortnite, but it's, oh, I got him! I burned him! Oh, come on! Yes, I did! I can do it! I'm wearing the shirt. I can is do it. Is that a what is it? What is it? The PlayStation experience? Is that the was that the powered by PlayStation experience? <laughs> sure, we can go with that. 
No, I just remember the badge. <laughs> the um, no, having created again, like it, clearly a draw. They've ever since that Avengers and Thanos crossover, they've continually yeah. seen success making collaborations, making these backdoor deals with other people in order to get like characters and whatnot as skin, exclusive skins into the game. So you know, you got the Mandalorian. You, you, they've had the Star Wars events. They've had the Marvel events. I mean, it really they've made a really big partnership with Disney and a lot of Disney properties. So um, that's been pretty strong. But the fact you have some DC characters like Batman, um, Kratos, if Master Chief is true, he'll be in there. The real question is, they can't complete the Trinity until they get a Nintendo character in there. And I want your opinion. You're you're insane. I, I want your opinion. If somehow they want to complete the Trinity, what... Char- what Nintendo character gets put in Fortnite? I I think the only logical person that you could put into Fortnite when you think like the only thing that makes sense to me I wanted to say Samus but nobody like Metroid is so dead oh, it cool. hurts. That would have been the cool only character I could really think of that would that Nintendo might allow <clears throat> would be uh would be Link. Because he is a humanoid character that is, yeah. That, I, however, my pick is I Link. think you're insane. You're insane if you think that Nintendo is going to allow a Nintendo character to be shown holding a gun. You are absolutely <laughs> insane. You are insane. This is a company who literally made a shooter about ink just so that they could get around guns. Like this is, you're insane. I I think it'll be great and. And Cameron, I will I will eat my entire shoe collection <laughs> if they come out and Link is a playable character. Uh, but the things that make me a little bit weird on this is because this isn't an exclusive thing. Like, I would see Kratos, Master Chief, and Link being like a <clears throat> platform exclusives uh, for, and they would probably be some kind of brand deal that like be PlayStation Plus, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate perk, and then Nintendo Online per right like that to me that's what makes the most sense for doing and then the companies are paying that money to basically advertise on Fortnite. um but i i just don't see nintendo i just don't see nintendo doing it it's cameron could you could you imagine the memes link holding a like a gun (laughs) like like call me zelda one more time holding the gun out (laughs) it's it, they won't. They won't allow it. It's oh, it's like original great. Lego. It's like it's like when Legos first came out, they didn't print gray ones because they were afraid that kids would make guns out of them. It's the same mentality of like, <laughs> it's why your early Lego sets were like all the castles were yellow is because they didn't print gray bricks so that kids could make guns. It's that's Nintendo. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is a cool season though. I really hope they continue these crossovers. I want them to get zany, dude. I want them to go banana bonkers i'm i want the most crazy like i want 2022 Fortnite to just look like brand battle royale it'd be great pepsi man send them in well one thing that may or may not be crazy depending on how you feel about this casting here is story number two um oscar isaac a famous movie actor is apparently going to be our new solid snake here uh this coming from jay peters over at theverge.com um, Sony's upcoming Metal Gear Solid movie adaptation will star Oscar Isaac as protagonist Solid Snake, according to Deadline. Uh, you might be familiar with Isaac as Resistance fighter Poe Dameron in the latest Star Wars film trilogy and his upcoming role as Duke Leto 
I'll, oh, I mean, a, a, a treatise? A Atreides. In Dune, and I think he could pat, be a great fit for, to play Solid Snake. Uh, the solid, the Metal Gear Solid movie, which is still in development, will be directed by Jordan Vote Roberts. But like some other movie adaptations of video games, this one has been in development for years. Metal Gear Solid creator Hideo Kojima first revealed that a movie was in the works all the way back in 2006. A start date for production is still unknown, according to Deadline, so it doesn't seem like we should expect the movie anytime soon. Seth, how do you feel about Oscar Isaac being cast? As the legendary Solid Snake. At first off, I need I need them to understand that I don't think he's playing Solid Snake. Has anyone explained the snake lineage to, <laughs> to Hollywood? Does, does, has anyone sat down and been like, "All right, we got to talk about Venom Snake. We got to be punished. We got to talk about Solid. We got to talk about Liquid." Like they need to <laughs> they need to take a moment to understand what they're saying when they say we're casting him as Solid Snake, but. <laughs> I digress. I think this is an awesome casting, and I've decided to stop doubting Hollywood's casting when it comes to certain things, because I remember thinking that Sonic the Hedgehog was a very weird casting, but it ended up working out great, right? And when I look at the type of character that he plays, like, yes, Poe Dameron is very... He's one of my favorites uh, from the sequel trilogy, but he's definitely not the type of character that you would imagine playing like a solid snake, right? But oh, he's got range, but, though. He's playing. He's a lot got of range. Like he's yeah. playing Duke Leto Atreides. Like that is the he is the. Listen, when that movie comes out, Cameron, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about <laughs> Duke Leto, dude. He's a he's a B A M F Bamf. Uh, okay, but okay. The, Anyways, I digress. Uh, I think this is really cool. I am so interested to see what a Metal Gear Solid movie looks like. It's easy to make one because yeah. you just pop the PlayStation. You basically just pop the game in <laughs> and press start and then just draw the storyboard from that and then shoot it on a on a camera. Oh, so, God, that's well, good. done. Man, Kojima's, the, he doesn't even need to be there. The jokes are flowing tonight and I love it. I love it. <laughs> Uh, I think this is cool. What are your thoughts? Oh, I I think it's fine. I like I am very much of the same like I I've there's no point in getting on the bandwagon with a lot of the people that just like instantly see this and say like, "Oh, fuck this. This is awful. This is worst." blah blah blah, negative reasoning whatever. Um just because you know it, we've had I think there have been more successes than failures on people being cast accordingly in Hollywood for video game movies or just those type of sci-fi movies that fans are really attached to. Um, yeah. So I, <clears throat> I, you know, I, my opinion is very much, you know, cool. Awesome. I like Oscar Isaac as an actor. I think he, he does very good work. He's in a lot of y- unique and creative movies and um, seeing him tackle this. I think they, you know, like, hold on, let, let's go back here. Like, look, okay. Just, just take him. Get rid of the he's he's starting to get the hair. Just get rid of the beard. Just put a bandana right there on his forehead. Yep. Put, give him a little cigarette. Yep. Give him a cigarette. Nano machines. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, if I were the casting director, I would have them come in, and there there would be one. I would literally be. I would say just say nano machines, and that would be your audition. <laughs> and whoever would do it the best. So actually, no. Two things: nano machines and Metal Gear. Metal Gear. <laughs> Metal Gear. There you go. Okay, that'd be a good casting 
decision there. I like. I like uh, I'm ec- I'm excited for that. I like. I was joking, obviously, but Metal Gear is one of those games that very much lends itself well to a film. It. I've always thought that the best, one of the best video game TV shows of all time, could be a Metal Gear television show. Uh, it's. It has got this oh, yeah. long lasting legacy. You could do season one is you know. Uh, season one and two would be like three, right? And tell it in chronological order so that people wouldn't freak out. Or maybe don't. Maybe uh, pull uh, the Haruhi Suzumiya and just like, just air it in whatever order you I was feel gonna say like, like, and then let I, the fans put it together. I was going to say, like, I would air it in the way the games got released. Like, the first two season or two is like Metal Gear Solid, and then you go to like Metal Gear Solid 2 and like you build all this up and then you go back yeah, to yeah, 3 yeah. and you're like, oh, this is the origin. Oh my God. Origin, Everything yeah. makes sense now from 1 and 2. Oh! That's it, yeah. So I, I, that's, that's my take. This is cool. And I, I'm glad Oscar Isaac's getting some some love. Like he's a very talented actor. I think he did great things in, uh, in the sequel trilogy. I'm excited for Dune. Uh, I'm excited to watch it on HBO now or sorry, what's HBO Max. Plus, whatever it's Max. Sorry. Uh, because all those movies are coming there now, apparently, because theaters are dead, apparently. So, yep that was that was a the knife gut. We'll have to keep track and see how that goes. That big one, the rest of the year. But um, oh, one thing that we don't really have to wait too much longer to experience, on, uh, uh, that is depend depending on if we want to fly over to Japan, is story number three: Super Nintendo oh. World. I think it's opening. cute that you think that an American would be able to go into Japan right now. <laughs> that a Japan would allow an American in. They would. That's they would not. They would not. Um, this is uh, uh, of all places that I would get this information. This is from Maggie Hiyufu he- Wong over at CNN. Um, Super get Nintendo it, World is opening at uh, Universal Studios Japan in February. Uh, get ready to slap on your Mario Kart racing gear and toss some Koopa shells. The world's first Super Nintendo World is set to open inside the Universal Studios Japan theme park in Osaka on February 4th, 2021. Executive producer Thomas... G- oh, God, that name is awful. Gergity, 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 Thomas G. of Universal Creative. There you go. <laughs> the innovation and creative arm of Universal Studios announced the opening date during a press conference on Monday inside the park's newly revealed Bowser Castle. He says the new addition to Universal Studios will offer, will offer an experience that, quote, can be found nowhere else in the world, end quote, and includes attractions based on the popular Mario series of games, which was first launched in the 1980s, as well as restaurants and gift shops. In addition to conventional rides, the entire Super Nintendo world will be an immersive game in which guests can compete against other gamers in the park. Um, that is, it's, uh, quote, it will provide the first ever Asobi play experience for our guests, says Tom Shee, adding that visitors will be able to jump up and punch question blocks and collect virtual coins. Guests can purchase power-up bands, a wristband that can be linked to a smartphone app where they can store these virtual coins and keys. This is a whole lot of craziness here. Let me, um, I'll play the video here for everybody that scene has. While we're talking about this, Seth, when are we going to Japan? Like when? Like have you gotten the ticket yet? Do we have to wait till COVID's over? I don't know. I need to know so we can plan this trip because I want to go to this. I, I've got bad news for you, dude. So I'm getting it, as <laughs> some of you may know. I think you know this. I'm getting married next year mm-hmm. uh, in October, and our honeymoon has been predetermined as being Japan. <laughs> and I have already put this on our list of things to do. So 
you'll have you to have sneak to. in a bag somewhere. Oh, you'll like, have to sneak in a put, bag. Put me as carry on. Put me as carry on, <laughs> and I'll just I'll be I'll I'll roam I'll roam the the streets of Japan for. Yeah, and we're waiting year. until we're waiting till 2022 to do the actual honeymoon. So this will be way on down the road. But I, man, I I love what they did with Harry Potter at Universal. They really, mm. um, they like obviously you can see I love Harry Potter. I think Harry Potter is like one of the, it's one of my personal favorite <laughs> franchises. And so that was one of my favorite experiences going down to Disney World as an adult. I would say, yeah, was getting to go to the wizarding world stuff right like obviously disney world is when you're a kid that's like the tops mcgee but as an adult i've loved going to that wizarding world having that same talented team create a a super mario world yes hell yes uh i don't know how ar visor headsets are going to work in a post-covid world i'm sure maybe we'll stop worrying about it someday but i feel like a year is enough to it's going to take a couple years to shake that off, you know? So yeah, we'll see how it does. But I, I, I mean, I'm, I'd, I'd buy a ticket to go. I'd go to, I'd go down there just to, Man, to, I just, to I, experience this. It's just, it, I, I would a hundred percent as well. And it's just, it sucks because, you know, the, of course the um, entire part got delayed because of COVID. And yeah. really, even when they opened in February, I, no, I don't, I don't know the condition of how COVID is doing in Japan, I'm sure it's doing much better than it is here in the United States. Um, so I'm, I'm sure they're tracking that it, they should have safe protocols going on in Japan. It just really sucks that we can't go and we'll likely, I mean, honestly, if you're from the States, I mean, a lot of countries still have bans on us because of the whole COVID thing here. So I, I doubt we even get to leave the country until my guess is late into 2021 before that even happens. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a little unfortunate for sure. <clears throat> there. Uh, yeah, I, I, this will eventually come to universal studios, Orlando and Hollywood. Like I suspected this would take a couple years, but they, you know, they're obviously starting with the best market. Nintendo is going to oh yeah do great in the Japanese market. It'll do great in the U S market as well. But I think the theme parks as a whole have a couple years to recover and get things back on track. I don't know that we're going to see this. I, I'd say the earliest you would probably hear about this getting in the U.S. is going to be 2022. Yeah. Just I think next year is going to be a recovery year. But maybe that you know maybe they'll fast track it to get people to come down there after the vaccine is is widely distributed, well, right? Like they're going to want people to come in. Well, what's interesting too is that like I think having that in the U. Ooh, sorry. Ooh. Having it in the U.S. I think. Like a, a Super Nintendo World could be a very strong pull against Disney World and um, Walt Disney, uh, just really because I like looking at the landscape. You know, all the kids are in the Fortnites, and the video <laughs> games have been more popular than ever. And I think that Mario has a pretty strong, recognizable brand with kids, mm -hmm. just like Mario uh, Mickey did when we were kids. And so, mm -hmm. like them, I think I think it's a no brainer. I agree with you. Like, give it five to ten, five to seven years. I'll I'll say, um, I think we will see a Super Nintendo World in the states, and I think that oh, it yeah. will blow up very well. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't say that. Let's change that wording. Blow up very much. It will uh, be very popular. Be very <laughs> successful. There you go. It will be very successful and lucrative for uh, for both Nintendo and Universal. So yeah. I'm excited. I cannot wait to 
to do amusement parks again. And and when it opens in Orlando, hell yeah, dude, let's go to let's do it. It should be. We'll, we'll go down. A couple of forty-something-year-old men at that point. We'll yeah. go down there and we'll roll around in our wheelchairs. <laughs> well, something that is has not been very lucrative to um, uh, Square Enix as of late is story number four here. Marvel's Avengers is in a little bit of trouble here. Reading from the article from Stephen Wright over at GameSpot.com, uh, Marvel's Avengers sold below expectations. Square Enix confirms. Um, over the past few days, rumors have circulated around the gaming industry that Marvel's Avengers sold well below Square Enix's expectations, which led to a disappointing financial quarter for the publisher. Now, an official transcript of a Square Enix investor brief confirms that the game underperformed, which resulted in the publisher's HD Games division posting an overall loss. Quote, the HD Games subsegment posted an operating loss as initial sales of Marvel's Avengers were lower than we had expected and unable to completely offset the amortization of the game's development costs, end quote. Portion of the briefing reads, <clears throat> In the second half of the fiscal year, we hope to make up for slow initial sales by offering ample additional content to grow our sales. In a QA, one investor estimated the operating loss of the HD Games division in Q2 of this year at as about 7 billion yen, which is roughly $67 million. The company attributed the game's slow sales in part to marketing delays caused by COVID-19. When asked about the validity of the HD Games division, Square Enix replied that it considers the totality of the digital entertainment segment rather than the HD Games division in isolation by using stable income from MMOs and mobile games to offset potential losses of big-budget games like Avengers. The game has also struggled on Steam with low concurrent player numbers. Since November 2020, its concurrent player count has been consistently below 2,000 players. Uh, Marvel's Avengers will soon receive new DLC that will add Kate Bishop to the game with Clint Barton coming in 2021. Um, perhaps this will spur up some sales, um, they, which is actually funny. They uh, wrap up the article on that because there are other articles um, that I went in researching this today that talked about how portions of the DLC for Kate Bishop have been delayed because of um, what's going on with the game. And they're also looking at trying to add in more additional characters in order to stem the game's growth and draw more money and, of course, more players into the game. Um, we, we've had offhand conversations about this on the show, Seth, that Marvel's Avengers was great. It was fun. I think... No, I, I neither think, of those statements oh, are correct. Oh, correct. Oh, neither oh, of those statements. Uh, those are Cameron statements. It, it, was, it was... The game had this... A little bit of hype around it at, at the start when it was coming out, but now kind of releasing. I think it's pretty safe to say that for both of us, we feel like it wasn't really the sixty dollar game that we wanted to play. We didn't. It, it wasn't a sixty dollar value for us, um, unfortunately, that we paid for it. And now you know the, uh, there's not enough players. It's not recouping its money, especially for a big um, license like Avengers. They're trying to stretch out DLC plans in order to draw more players in. Um, should this? I already know your opinions on the game. Uh, question yes. I ask you is: Is this something that Square Enix and I guess the developers and Crystal Dynamics should be concerned about this game? Do you think? that they will bounce back once DLC characters like Kate Bishop, Clint Barton, uh, Spider-Man, there was a rumor of Black Panther. If, if or whenever um, these characters get released, do you think they'll see 
an increase in their character or in their um, concurrent base, maybe with some additional features and DLC and um, fixes to the game? That's a really interesting question because my first instinct would be if they could make the game like fun to play. And I'm not saying that in a, in a mean like side eye kind of way. It's just the game runs out of steam really quickly. And I don't make this comparison out of spite, but it, it reminds me a lot of Anthem. It is a game that is on paper, especially with the Avengers license should be really fun. And when you play it, it is a video game. Like it is a game that is, you can play from start to finish. It has systems. It has all that stuff in there. I think we're just living, and this is going to come up, I think, later when we get to the topic of the show. But we are in a state now where there are so many different types of games to play that there's not much room for mediocrity anymore. And I think a lot of people like to run to examples, like niche examples of, of comeback stories. Final Fantasy XIV comes to mind. Mm-hmm. No Man's Sky comes to mind. That, and they like to tout these as like, oh, anything can happen. And I agree, anything can happen. You put enough time and money into something, you can make Avengers a game that is popular and enjoyable. I personally don't think that, like, Cameron, let me just put it very bluntly for you. If the game that has playable characters as <laughs> Iron Man, Thor, the Incredible Hulk, Black Widow, and uh, who am I missing? Okay. Captain America. If that game is not fun, do you think that Kate Bishop and Hawkeye are going to make it fun? And and if you were not watching, I know you were very focused on reading, and my listen and the the audio listeners did not catch this, but video listeners, you saw me when he said the phrase. They believe the reason the game has been performing poorly is because of delayed marketing. I just started getting like this. <laughs> I don't know that the fact that I could buy chewing gum that had Captain America on it promoting the game two weeks after when it was supposed to be on the chewing gum was the reason that game didn't do well. I think the reason the game didn't do well is because gaming as an industry is now matured. It has a very robust uh, media cycle and communication cycle. There are streamers who will play the game. Like the days of smoke and mirrors are gone. Like you can't Mm -hmm. fake bad games and win anymore it's like it's why licensed movie games died because streamers will just play them and be like this game is garbage don't play this game and then no one will buy it because streamers will get it even 24 hours cameron like you know cyberpunk's going to be probably a very tight embargo but streamers are going to be playing it at least 24 hours before we are and you're going to be able to watch a streamer play the first 20 to 30 hours of that game before you even own a copy so you're going to know if that game is bad or good. I'm curious now. I want to know when the um, embargo lifts. Uh, Cyberpunk reviews go live. Actually, if you're listening to this via audio, they will already be live. Uh, December 7th at uh, 9 p.m. Pacific time. Well, there you go. Or 9 a.m. So, 9 a.m. Pacific time. So around lunchtime tomorrow for us, Seth. Uh, yeah. We live. And like reviews are one part of it, but I think reviews <laughs> are kind of becoming more of a minority. People are really starting to fall off of reviews. I think a lot of more people are just going to their sources, right? Like, no, it may be a review, but like it may be a streamer. It may be someone that you like following. Um, and just here, you know, maybe a podcast host, right? It could be one of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get games early, but, you know, it could be. Someone listening one day. to audio one impressions. Day. Yeah. One day. But the the fact is, 
I just don't think that there's room in the marketplace for as many big open world loot driven destiny likes that there's room for bad ones. And, you know, I, I made this joke way back when uh, Battleborn came out, but I was like, you can't release Overwatch after Overwatch came out. Overwatch is already out. Like, yeah. everybody rushed to try and make Overwatch <clears throat> after Overwatch came out. And I was like, that's not how it works. You can't, like, you can't show up after the king has been crowned and be like, oh, wait, no, that's my throne because it's too late, right? You should have been there early. And so when I look at a game like Avengers, I mean, I bought Avengers. I, did you ever buy Avengers? I did, can't remember if you bought it. Yeah, or not. I have Avengers. I remember I, I pressured both, you to buy it. We, no, we got it. We both got it. I was interested in it. We both got it on PlayStation. We never got a chance to play with each other. Um, My but, greatest regret is that I never, I, sh- I should have bought Ghost of Tsushima instead of Avengers. That would have been a better investment. I will, after having both, I will 100% agree that you should have gotten ghost of Tsushima. Um, but uh yeah it's i mean they may be able to save this anything's possible but the amount of money that it would take and the amount of time that it would take this is truly an anthem situation is it worth saving like truly is it worth saving when spider-man has done so well like obviously the avengers game has not hurt the marvel license uh Spider-Man did so incredibly well. Just send this game off. Like, do the year of content. Put out your Kate Bishop. Put out Hawkeye, maybe two or three other characters. But it's not going to... Like, the best chance they would have. I think if Spider-Man and Black Panther came out on the same day, right? And you had... And remember, Spider-Man's exclusive. So that's alienating the Xbox and PC users, right? So those users don't even get to enjoy Spider-Man. But Black Panther, I think, is the last... Like, if you came out and released that character and made a huge, awesome, big deal about it and had, like, add Wakanda as a a hub zone and add, like, three or four, like, missions that take place in this Black Panther storyline, that would be, in my opinion, the last chance to, like, draw people in because there's a lot of interest and a lot of passion behind Black Panther as a hero. And so, but when you look at the other member, yeah. like they blew, they blew it all. Like all the big guardians of the galaxy, maybe, but like, I still think that as a singular launch of a character, Black Panther would be the one to bring it back, but don't release him until you think the game is good. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's in a good state. And like, I love star Wars battlefront too. It's <clears throat> one of my favorite, like, like I'm going to say like, squad shooters of the last generation but that game launched so poorly that even after they fixed it it never rose to the prominence that it could have right like a a missed opportunity is never going to be you 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 get one chance to make a good impression yeah you get one chance to make a good impression and yes you may be able to buy that back like you may launch and sell to five million people and then only a hundred people keep playing it and then eventually get back up to that that 5 million people playing it after two years. But imagine if you had launched the game, 5 million people started playing it, loved it. And then you sold 20, 20 million more copies, right? Like that's the, it's the, you don't have the growth trajectory because you're having to buy back all your lost user base. And I just don't think that when square looks at their catalog, right? Like they got, and I know this is a different division, but they've got final fantasy 16 coming up. They've got, 
so many amazing games. I just think that Square, I, I heard rumors, this was like just whispers, but I heard whispers that like Square was considering selling off their Western division. And I honestly think they should at this. I don't think that really like, well, it's like it, they, the last game that came from Square that I can remember being good from one of their, like enjoying and thinking like this was a really awesome game and worth my time and money was Rise of the Tomb Raider. And they, you know, waved goodbye to that franchise. They outsourced it to somebody else um, to make Shadow. And then that team went on to make this game. And I just think this game, this is a game that was designed by a committee and it shows and it's now paying the price for it. It should have been a story-driven game. It's okay to have an open world if you want to do that, but it really should have been a game that was about three times as long and had a much more engrossing, I would say all-encompassing Marvel story rather than being like MODOK and AIM because I don't think mm. MODOK and AIM are not the names that kids know, right? The kids, kids know Loki. They know Thanos. You know, they know... Ultron. Those are from the movies, yeah. right? And I know this was not a movie game, but you need that type of you need that to come in, right? Like you need, if you really want this game to succeed, Marvel fans have to feel good about it, and I don't think MODOK is the the villain to do that. Uh, but I digress. I can't talk about this game anymore. It's not great. It's depressing you. I can tell. Go play better games. Um, Just go play better <laughs> games. Well then, uh, guys, we won't talk about it anymore. That is it for the news this episode here. Um, I'm Seth. I'm going to put you on the spot because I've got to get a refill of some water here. But while I'm gone, yes. If you would not mind reading off uh, the second part of our housekeeping there, yeah, um, your thing. As uh, we get prepped up for the um, topic of the show, I will be right back. Seth, go ahead. It's great because Cameron's not going to be here, so I can actually plug it however I want to. So, uh, Rocket Punch, awesome community of fantastic individuals. I love, I, I lurk the Rocket Punch Discord a whole lot. I don't get to participate a whole lot, but I love lurking the awesome discussions they have there. So um, there is a link down below uh, for joining that awesome Rocket Punch Discord. We have all kinds of discussions around gaming, pop culture, everything in between. If you're looking for groups to play with, you can jump in there and find a uh, find a group of friends to play with. If you want to play Marvel's Avengers with some friends, maybe you can scrape someone uh, to find to play that game. But no matter what game you're playing, there's going to be someone that you can jump in there and find a, uh, and find some fun with. You can also support the show by giving us a review on podcast services of your choice. So Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify, um, write us a great review that really helps us with visibility, but we also love reading that and hearing your feedback on things that we are doing really, really well and things that we could maybe be doing a little bit better. So we love to read that feedback as it comes in. Um, also, as you know, if you're watching live here on twitch.tv slash rocket punch live, you know that if you have Amazon prime, that means you have Twitch, sorry, prime gaming as it's called now, not Twitch prime prime gaming, which means you have a free sub that you can give us each and every month. Uh, so we really encourage you to use that sub here. It really helps the show. And it also gives you exclusive access to our amazing emote collection. Um, but if you do not have Amazon prime or have already used your sub, you can also sub to unlock those emotes, unlock ad free. It is a great time. Uh, and we definitely encourage you to do that. Um, now, if you are truly wanting to get the best Rocket Punch experience, you've got to go to patreon.com slash Rocket Punch. He's back. Uh, that is where you can unlock um, exclusive content, bonus shows, behind the scenes content um, for as little as, I think, what is it, $2 a month? Is that the, 
lose one dollar a month. One dollar a month. One dollar a month. You can unlock. You can unlock exclusive behind the scenes content and help support the show along the way. Uh, beyond that, we we want to take a moment to thank our Patreon producers because if you are a Patreon producer on patreon.com slash rocket punch, you also get your name shouted out here. And those amazing names are as follows. We got a Jossie M. We got Jeremy M. We got Stephen S. Adam C. And of course, all the love to our Twitch subs out there. Remember, if you got Prime, you got the sub. Drop the sub. You get the love. Topic of the show. Cameron, take it away. That was good. I like that. That was awesome. Um, Topic of the show, guys. Let's jump back in here. So, we obviously have to talk about it. It was the biggest news of this week here. In case you did not know, I'm going to read you from the official BioWare blog. Um, This is a message from Laura... Miley, Chief Chief Studios Officers of Electronic Arts, um, released this past week. I'm going to read it in its entirety because this is what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, We strive for all of our studios to be places where talented, creative people come to do career-defining work. A dimension of this ambition is sometimes those people want to try something different. Casey Hudson, GM of BioWare, and Mark Dara, executive producer Dragon Age are two of these people and they have decided to move on from Bioware. I want to personally thank Casey and Mark for everything they have done for the Bioware community and particularly for our players. They will always be an essential part of the studio's history. We appreciate their many contributions and look forward to seeing what they'll do, what they'll each do next. Um, you can, uh, there are additional links. I'll put them in the show notes to, um, showcasing Casey and Mark's specific responses Um, in the show notes there. You guys can check those out. When I think about Bioware's future and the next generation of talent in place, I could not be more confident or optimistic. As we look to the studio's future and the projects currently under development, the next generation of Bioware talent is leading the studio forward and working on some incredible games that I know you will be excited to experience in the coming years. Samantha Ryan, who came to Electronic Arts after leading Warner Brother Games, is one of the strongest leaders in the industry. She will continue to oversee the studio. I'm also excited to announce Christian Daly, who joined BioWare from Blizzard, will be leading our Dragon Age project currently in development. Christian is a fantastic creative leader, and I look forward to you all getting to know him in the coming days. We recently announced Mass Effect the Legendary Edition, and Mike Gamble is leading a team hard at work on that franchise's future. The search for a new GM is underway, and we are already talking to some great people. We will find the right leader who has a deep love and respect for the studio's heritage, who embodies the values of this team, and who will help carry on the incredible legacy of BioWare. Seth, topic of the show, everybody listening, topic of the show tonight is, should we be concerned about BioWare now? Um, a lot of change-ups here. Uh, we're def- In this conversation, we're definitely going to go through all the different pieces and names, at least from what I know, and Seth, I know from what you know, but like, with all of these change-ups, plus you take that into account kind of the, I will say, lukewarm receptions that a lot of their recent games that they've released have been having. Um, uh, uh, blah, 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 Anthem, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, Dragon Age 4, which is still a far ways off. You know, that, that's still, to my understanding, still in early development. And now there's this big leadership change. Should... Bioware fans, because there are a lot of them and they're very passionate about the studio, I know that you live with one of them. 
Um, should we be concerned about Bioware and where this studio is headed? Maybe to not the um, the top, the tippy top of the game studios as they used to be. Um, I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts? What are your initial thoughts on this, man? Yeah, I you are correct. I live with a huge Bioware fan. We had a very heated conversation about this the other night when it happened. Um, my fiance is the biggest Mass Effect fan ever. Period. She will fight you. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, so I, I we've talked about this before, Cameron. Like it's interesting to think about. You know, ten years ago at the beginning of the. Uh, I'd say the Xbox 360 generation. Mm -hmm. If you think about like during that Xbox 360 generation, who were the powerhouses, right, of gaming. And then to take a look at how things changed after the console shift happened uh, in 2013. And then as we've gotten to new consoles, it's interesting to think about who do you think is the most popular first-person shooter who do you think makes the most popular rpg right and those names have completely changed right it's no i think bioware i i you know the point I, I think the focal point of our heated argument was i pulled up the date of dragon age inquisitions launch right it was november 2014 yep 2014 and then uh in march or april 2015 a little game called the witcher 3 wild hunt came out and our discussion was around kind of, and it's, this is the same discussion that, that I kind of had with myself when I realized that Halo 3 came out the same year that Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare did, right? And so yeah. when I would say when Call of Duty 4 came out, that was when FPSs started to pivot away from Halo being the primary toward Call of Duty being the primary, right? Like that's the, that's the FPS you played, right? If you were a kid. And so now... In 2014, I think something similar happened. Like, Inquisition came out, won a ton of awards, which I still think that Bioware winning, like, that game winning Game of the Year was kind of a death sentence for them in a lot of ways. Because really? It, okay. Interesting. It, and hear me out, because what it did is it told Bioware what they were doing works, right? Dragon Age Inc. Ooh, I'm sorry, I bumped the mic. Dragon Age Inquisition was an open world fantasy RPG that was very ev like evolved very much around exploration of the world, kind of that that Fallout and and Elder Scrolls hook, right? Like, ooh, I want to go check out what's over here, right? Mm -hmm. Where Bioware, I don't think is the t I don't think that Bioware needs to chase that because what Bioware does really, really well is character growth and development, right? Okay. And if you think about Mass Effect in particular, the two best entries in that game are not, or honestly, sorry, that entire franchise is not open world. Like it is a very linear, like you land on a planet, you go from start to finish, and along the way things happen, right? And I think that that franchise got really off the rails when Andromeda tried to take it open world. And when I look at what happened after 2014, ever since then, they have been trying to make this game that I don't think they're really good at making. And that is a, a an RPG that has as much depth and as much like intrigue as Mass Effect, but mm -hmm. is as big as a game like The Witcher. And those don't go hand in hand together because what made Mass Effect so great is that you would land on a, I'm going to call them a theater, 
right? You okay. would land on the stage at a theater and then you would have this show kind of conducted for you, right? Like uh, you land on a planet and you are learning about, oh, shoot, the genophage was a thing. And, oh, man, one of your party members actually invented, you know, it's like that was the kind of drama and the kind of character interaction that people loved about that franchise. Same goes for Dragon Age, right? Uh, Dragon Age has been through a little bit more evolution, I think, because it kind of started as a PC game and they tried to bring it into console. And so it's been trying to, like, Mass Effect's always been a console game. So it's kind of been there from the start. Mm -hmm. But, like, when I look at what Bioware does really well, it is not open world games, right? I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla right now. It's an open world game. I think it's really cool and fun to play, but I don't think it is going to be winning any best story awards, right? Like it is not open worlds are all about exploration and discovery. They're not conducive of telling a great story because the only way you can tell a great story in an open world is if you funnel people into a thing, right? Yeah. The best thing I've ever thought of when I think about like good open worlds is metal gear solid five. And that was a game where when you would go on a mission, you are, yes, in a technically an open world environment, but they carve out a part of it for that mission, right? And parts of that mission, I still think to this day, one of my favorite parts of that game is when you go on that mission and you're riding your horse through that canyon and then Quiet takes the shot at you. And then the entire, you know, and I think this, the mission was like, just get to the base or whatever. Yeah. Like you think it's just going to be another infiltration mission. And then all of a sudden you're fighting a sniper, Right. And so they were able to take this big open world space. Are you okay? Oh, yeah, no, no, fine. Continue. They they were able to take this big open world space and like funnel you into this really cool scenario, right? And that's what I think Bioware made some of the best scenarios of any video game franchise or development studio ever, period. And when they moved away from that, I think they moved away from their strong arm. So... I, I, I've been talking a lot. I want to hear from you. That, that's kind of my two cents. What are your thoughts on Bioware? What are your thoughts on this huge departure? Because I didn't even talk about the departures. I'm going to talk about that later. I was going to say, I, I can start thoughts? talking about some of the departures because I know some of these names. And in a weird way, like, I don't I don't have, you know, I'm definitely not the, um, you know, self-described Bioware fan, but I like some of their games. And I honestly, my, my initial read on this story and the changes that are happening and going on are um, cautious to not good. I'll be very honest. Um, the fact, at least from some of the other reports that I've gathered so far, like this, <clears throat> it, it's concerning enough when you have two big heads, especially uh, Casey Hudson, who's been, he, I, I would dare say he is the face of Bioware. He's one of the few names that any Bioware fan can tell you. Oh, Casey Hudson, I know him. You know this guy, um, responsible for a lot of the games that you just talked about that were super awesome. Um, And then Mark Dara, who you may not know as well, but you you started picking up on his name when Dragon Age 4 got attached to him. The fact that both of these guys on these two franchises that I would dare say are probably the most popular franchises from Bioware are leaving the studio and not in... I don't want to say like not in a nice way, but in like in a way that is very interesting. The fact that it's in a, a Bioware blog post and they have their own respective stuff, but it was, this isn't like a, Hey, we're going to wrap up a little bit on our projects and we'll be gone later this month or beginning of the fiscal year. It's effective immediately. They are 
They yeah. are gone. Um, that is concerning. That it's very concerning. You couple that with the fact that um, Christian Daly, who was part of Bioware, who uh, moved on, he was um, from Blizzard. For people who don't know Christian Daly, I know him because you know, even though I haven't played the game in a long time, I'm still tracking Anthem to see what 2.0 is going to look like. He was one of the main creative leaders in charge of Anthem 2.0. Now he is getting shifted over to Dragon Age from Anthem. While Anthem, God knows it needs help. And I don't know if he's going to be like working on both projects or if he's completely on Dragon Age and just kind of maybe like maybe pointing at stuff for Anthem 2.0. I don't know. Um, and then... <clears throat> Uh, Mike Gamble, who is also a, a pretty well-known name, I believe Mike Gamble's helped out a lot with Mass Effect stuff, um, mm. and they're putting, you know, that, that the Mass Effect one, <clears throat> I kind of feel like that one is maybe the safest out of all these projects right now, simply because Mike Gamble's worked on Mass Effect before, and they really already have yeah. a base. They're just really remastering that game, doing some fine-tuning, making some small adjustments, and then they release it to, you know, fans join Glee. But, I'm really I'm concerned about Anthem 2.0. I want to know how Christian Daly, him leaving, is going to affect that. I have I I, I mean honestly I'll, I'll be honest I have more concerns about Anthem than the other two. Um, Casey Hudson left Bioware before there were other leaders. Then that whole Jason Schreier, the whole article blew up, especially around Anthem and that whole thing. And uh, Mark Dara, those those are good people. Um, and so I, I'm really concerned about this, these leadership leaving. Now I, I, I want to, I want to go back and also say as well, I've, I saw a lot of other people in the industry, in, in the industry talk about how one person doesn't make a studio. A studio is made from a, a lot of different developers and yeah. programmers and they're hundred percent right. As far as the games themselves, you know, these people are still working on this game. Um, and so it, it is not a studio is not just one person just because one person leaves doesn't mean we should completely doom a game or a studio. The only caveat I would add to that is that they, especially from the whole Jason Trier article about Anthem, the reason Anthem was in a very bad state when it got released because there wasn't a definitive leadership at the top. And they had this council style leadership going and nobody wanted to make a decision. Therefore, Anthem 1.0 was released and it suffered greatly for it. And that is my concern. Not so much that the, the developers and the programmers and everyone in the studio won't be able to do a great job. I believe they will. My concern is that if there's no leadership, no clear leadership, or as we've seen in this studio before, in Bioware before, if there, there's these shakeups that throw leadership and direction, uh, you know, on its kilter, what's that going to mean for the quality of the product that we're going to get when it eventually comes out? And that's what I'm really concerned yeah. about. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I, this sentiment that like one leader is going to like make or break a franchise or a, a particular game. I don't <clears throat> buy a lot into that. However, the right leader the right man in the wrong place can make all the difference in the world, <laughs> Mr. Freeman. Uh, as I quote G-Man, I say this, I'm meaning that I think that when you look at Bioware, when 
Mass Effect and Dragon Age were coming out. The people who led those franchises were very passionate about them, right? They wanted to see them succeed and they poured their heart and their soul into it. I don't think Anthem had that. They didn't have the the banner, the standard bearer that was the person who was rooting for that, right? It It is an idea of when you have a leader who is bought in on an idea, they are going to be able to inspire and invigorate a team like anything, like more than anything, any other employee perk that you could offer. Nothing is going to get people as fired up as, uh, as an inspiring leader who's passionate. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what was missing from Anthem. Anthem was a design by committee game. And as, as a designer myself, I will tell you, Mr. Corporate Bigwig out there, uh, designed by committee will fail every single time. Even if you launch the product, it will fail within the first five years. It is just the way designed by committee works because if you want to, it's basically you want to do a little bit of everything, but you're not really good at anything, one thing. And that gaming in particular is not the kind of market where that holds up, right? You got to either have a really good story or yeah. really good characters or really good visuals or hopefully all three. And then you get the privilege of being a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, right? And so Avrutu when I look at my, brings up a good oh, yeah. point, like designed by too many cooks in the kitchen. Perfect example. Yeah, exactly. And you need someone who has vision for what you want it to be. There's a billion different ways to make a Mass Effect game, right? Mm-hmm. But they had one vision for what they wanted to make. And they wanted to make this awesome space opera that spanned three games and your decisions carried over with you each game. And they did it. And people loved it. And I don't know why they didn't just do it again. But they didn't. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you just do that again? Well, they, and, they, they tried. It, you know, Andromeda was slated as another new trilogy, but Andromeda. It was an open world game. It was an open world game that was trying to, 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 to become another Witcher. And again, the Witcher had already come out. It was already out. Like Space Witcher. Come on. Come on, yeah. Seth. Well, anyway, anyways, I digress. And <laughs> when I look at this departure, I get... Two impressions. One, do not think for a second that this departure was voluntary. These, you don't have two heads of your of your two biggest franchises leave because they feel like it on the same day. Especially these were definitely, if they wanted to leave, they were they were shown the door. <laughs> they were they're like, All right, you want to leave? You done? Like, and Casey didn't come back that that long ago. He came back like a year before Anthem came out, right? Like he came back. I, yeah, he came back to help finish remember, Anthem. Yeah, he came back to help finish and ship Anthem. And I will predict that I believe that Anthem is super dead now. Um, mega dead. And oh, say, oh my I think god. Super dead. Mega dead. Uh, ultra dead, Cameron. And I don't think that you announce that it is super dead until you have something to show. So, first, I, I think that they came out and said that the Dragon Age will be at the Game Awards. Yes, that is good. If it's concept art, I'm going to be worried because they've done that for two years in a row. They can't. What else? (laughs) You've got to show what the video game is. And no, Microsoft will not buy the IP because they already own a bajillion valuable RPG IPs. Sorry, Rutu in chat said Microsoft will buy the IP. (laughs) Maybe Mass Effect. That'd be dope. But I digress. But the. But the. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, no, you're fine. It, it. I just feel like with these two departures being announced, that Bioware is at basically like a new chapter, right? Like they are really moving forward with Dragon Age 
as their big next gamble because it really like the last game they put out that was successful was Dragon Age. Period. And I to this day think that the only reason it was successful was it became it came out before The Witcher did and it came out early in the console cycle. So there was not much to play. If that game I, I had 100% swapped, agree with that. Yes. If that game had swapped launch dates with The Witcher, it would have been a 7 out of 10 and it would have been completely swept like, under the rug. I think that the the uh, you know, popular, unpopular opinion. I, I want to. I actually have been inkling to maybe jump back into Inquisition more, but I think that the main reason that Inquisition got Game of the Year that year was because they're really, uh, you know, there wasn't much. There was there was there was no competition. I, I'll be there very was honest. no competition, and honestly, Cameron, there had been a huge shift in consumer purchase behavior. Move it basically the uh, the Xbox. Badongle, the fumble of 2013, had radiating waves through the industry, right? So all of a sudden, you had all these gamers who just changed to a new platform. Don't lie to me. Sony didn't launch anything on PlayStation 4 for the first two years. Bloodborne was the first game that came out outside of their launch titles. For you, I love Killzone titles. That that was a launch title. So they had a couple of good good launch titles, but this was a, a year after the launch, right? There's nothing that came yes. out that first year. year Bloodborne came out no early 2015, and then I think also Uncharted came out in 2015. So, like, they got things rolling in 2015, but 2014 was this weird dead year for them. And people were hungry. They were hungry for something that was going to take advantage of this new console that they had, right? And so Dragon Age comes along. I know Dragon Age. Dragon Age is great. It was kind of one of those weird soft reboots. It wasn't quite a sequel, but it was but you could easily jump in. You didn't have to play the old ones to get it. And it was honestly the first Dragon Age that came out on consoles. And it was like kind of, hey, this is the console one, right? Like Dragon Age 2 was made for consoles, but this is the one that's like, hey, we're a console game now. And I think that when you look at what they've done since, they haven't had a game as successful as that one. I mean, it, period. Like, and piggybacking on that, like more this again what concerns me about the studio more drama here this also came out after the um Ooh, announcement this was juicy yeah. this was juicy cameron <laughs> i'm reading this from kotaku.com from ash parish a dragon age voice actor potentially out after twitter attack on series writer mark dara um the actor um what's his name um greg ellis the actor who voiced dragon ages anders and cullen and uh, apparently attacked uh, personally, the right uh, Mark Guerra, yep. and they went. They had like a Twitter feud back and forth. I'm not going to read the whole story. You guys can go over to Twitter and read it yourself, or, or on um, Kotaku. But it, I mean, it was. I read the tweets. They were pretty rough. Like I was like, "Ooh, yeah. boy!" Like that's a great way to get yourself blackballed from the industry. Um, but again, just. I, 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 but I think it it feeds more into the drama. Like you know, we're we're never going to know. But I'm still going to ask the question: Like, what happened? Like, why, why did this go down the way it did? Like, what, is it something where Casey and Mark maybe didn't agree with the direction in which maybe higher-ups or corporate execs were wanting to take BioWare, where executives maybe not happy with what Casey Hudson and Mark Dare were doing and said, we need new leadership, these games are taking too long, or, you know, whatever, yeah. or maybe they're take, not taking long enough. I don't know. Um, we're never going to know. The story never, yeah. but um, no, it just it 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 really. Again, it, it I'm I'm being very cautious right now. Like, 
I understand the how these games are to a lot of fans, you know, like your fiance, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a lot of other Bioware fans out there. And I know that this news is not wasn't great to hear this week. I know yeah. this news is not good for them to dwell on because this really, I do think to a certain point, this does put Dragon Age, Mass Effect into a state of flux. Even Anthem to some extent. Maybe not to the extent the other ones yeah. are, but Anthem 2.0, I think that uh, as an Anthem fan, a, a, ga- a, a game and an update that uh, cautious, of course, because of 1.0, but still very interested, like from the little bits that Christian Daly was releasing on the game yeah. and the direction from game design they were heading, it was like this is heading in exactly the right direction because the there the 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 flight was perfect, but everything else around it wasn't. And yeah. now the fact that we have that leadership role shifting or changing really puts in the flux and con- concern. Like, will this extend how long the game takes? Is this going to cause problems on design? Because it doesn't matter now. Every time yeah. somebody, every time we hear these games now, every time we hear about Dragon Age 4 or the next Mass Effect, whatever that is, or the Legendary Edition or Anthem 2.0, some writer or blogger or videographer or YouTuber or content creator is going to put in there or it's going to be a part of the story that, oh, yeah, you know, there have been a lot of issues with Bioware since leaders Casey Hudson and Mark Dare left, and there was this huge changeup, yeah. blah, 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 and they're going to reference this story again. And I think this is going to hang as a shadow until Bioware releases that next big hit, that next, like, 9 or 10 out of 10. Like, people are like, oh, yeah. my God, Bioware is back. This is going to hang over them for a very long time. Yeah, I and I, I kind of want to spin the conversation. I want to start to ask you, like, we've talked a lot about the past, of bio bioware's past both the good and the bad we've we've we know where they are presently right mm-hmm. we are at the end of the calendar year i do not think that it is an uh, a coincidence that these departures are happening at the end of a calendar year it's a clean clean tax cut off you know like here's your yeah. taxes for 2020 and see you later but when i look at the future cameron what do you think it is going to take for bioware to win back that that status they had as being a premier story driven RPG creator that I honestly think that that CD project red stole from them with one game, right? Like they yanked it out with the Witcher three. And I think that when you look at what's happening with cyberpunk, EA would love for that to be the conversation around or would have loved for that to have been the conversation around a game like Anthem, right? If there was that much hype for it and that much love for it from the before people even knew what the story was like, nobody knows what the story of cyberpunk is, but they're still hyped for it. Right. Like that is that's a dream scenario for for a publisher. Right. So when I look at Bioware's future, they've said they're working on on Dragon Age. What do you think they need to do? What are the verbs they need to do on Dragon Age to make this work? And same goes for Mass Effect. They've shown us an early concept art, so like that's way on down the road. Uh, or something else. Is there something else they should be working on or doing to try and get I people think, back? I think one of the first steps, I don't think people are going to come back until they get... Show, they gotta get they gotta show them the money. They're, once they... Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you if, you know, especially with this news hanging out, if we get into the Game Awards or even early next year... And all they talk about, if they mention Dragon Age at all, is concept art or game development plans or whatnot. 
that's a problem. People are going to be immediately yeah. immediately concerned. They're going to come back to this story. It's not going to be great. Um, I honestly, in all of this discussion, a part of me almost feels like Anthem 2.0 might be the furthest along. And I don't even know to what extent that is. Um, I might be completely off base on that. But I, I don't know. I feel like they need to go back. I feel like they need to take their time. I feel like they need to take their time and they need to look back at some of the games that they've made before and what fans liked about those, what they didn't like about mm -hmm. those and take those implementations and bring them into 2021 or whenever, you know, 2020, 2021, whenever the games release. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I, I don't, I don't, they can't do a Force Awakens, and they can't just carbon copy the original trilogy and just like change the characters a little bit and paste it in there, uh, because I think people will like that, but it won't be remembered, and they need that big kind of like heavy punch to um, get people drawn in. I think that they need to um, find find what worked before and make and weave new stories into that. I I, I dare say even at this point, a part of me feels like it. it, it you know. Damned if you do, just take maybe take some risks. Um, figure out what what works and try and improve and make it better and see what see what sticks and give the people something new because I think that's really what a lot of fans want is they want those same universes like Dragon Age. They love, like you said, the story is what's drawn a lot of Bioware fans to this studio. The story mm -hmm. of Mass Effect. The story of Dragon Age, they're great storytellers. And the story, their next couple of games, even more so for Anthem, because the story was very much, uh, if there, if you could really, you had to dig through to find it. But like, make, yeah. take your games and make the story the bedrock of those games. That's what, keep, that's what drew those Bioware fans to you in the first place. And I really think they, they have to start there first. They have to work with the Bioware fan base and assure them. They have to do something to confirm to them, look, we're on the right track. We know what we've, we've messed up on. We know what we want to work better on. This is what we've got. We think you're really going to like it. And they need to impress the, uh, you know, people like me that just kind of like, oh, Bioware games are cool. They don't need to impress me. They need to impress your fiance. They need to impress the Bioware fans that are like, yes, this is what I want out of a Bioware game. This is what I want out of Dragon Age or Mass Effect or Anthem or whatever. Um, I really think that needs to be their first step um, to uh, success. Yeah. I, I would agree. I, I When I look at what's coming, you know, we're getting close to the Game Awards. They said that Dragon Age is going to be there. I don't think they're going to have a lot to show. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that the director of Dragon Age would have left a week before the Game Awards if they thought that what they were going to show at the Game Awards was going to generate the level of interest and hype if anything i think maybe they got to the point where they're like all right are we ready to show the game at game awards and they were like nope covid hit us hard and they were like all right cool so i'm expecting another kind of concept art maybe like a uh maybe a theatrical cutscene, you know like a animated cutscene, a cgi trailer or something like C that yeah cgi yeah. trailer something like that it would be interesting to learn more about the story because it does seem to be a direct sequel to uh inquisition i'm also really concerned about the fact that the story of inquisition was kind of finished in that dlc 
and not everybody played that DLC. So I'm kind of interested to see like what they're going to do to make sure people know what the story is going into this. Dragon Age Remastered. You'll be able to pick the game up in 4K. Sure. Well, no, only if you buy Dragon Age 5 uh, Deluxe Edition. There you go. Yep. That's it. I digress. The, I think that they need to show up next time they show up and I, Bioware, I wouldn't say Bioware's really showed up for two years, but the next time they show up, they need to have something cool to show us. They need to, they don't need to have anybody come on stage and talk about how big and awesome their world is. They need to come out and be like, Hey, my name's, uh, Sarah Mazowski, and I am a developer or lead designer for BioWare's new Dragon Age game. Let's take a look. And then, boom, go into that that gameplay demo, Mm -hmm. five to ten minutes of Chunky, show us the dialogue trees, show us uh, what the consequences, right? That's that's the heart of BioWare is consequences of our actions, right? show that off if you want to try and do an open world awesome but i think that if they were really to get back to basics and to focus look at a game like boulders gate 3 or before it divinity original sin these are point and click rpgs right like yeah on paper one of the most boring types of rpgs you could play right no dynamic camera angles no crazy cool action click and go here right but they've made those worlds so cool and vibrant and beautiful. And the stories make so much like uh, impact and have so many different options. Like if they could follow that path instead of following the, like, let's be the Witcher. Because even if I think you release a game that's as good as the Witcher, I still don't think that's good enough today. Cause the Witcher was good in 2015 where we are right now is people are expecting the like, absolute best visuals the absolute best audio the absolute best story bioware does character driven stories the best and so to focus in on that i think is their best bet right now but i also have another crazy idea cameron okay hear me out you are dealing with a studio that's now at this crux of of people of kind of their 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 Trust in Bioware is a little shaken, right? Like the fans are always loyal, but the general populace is kind of, I don't know if they still got it anymore. There is a guaranteed surefire way to win over everybody's hearts and minds. And that is to make a game that ties into a really popular license. And unfortunately, EA owns a very popular license and have learned how to be valuable how to make that license valuable with respawn. So I think it would be interesting to give a star Wars RPG to Bioware. Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, oh, okay. So everyone is like, Oh man, we're going to make Knights of the Old Republic. I think in the wake of the Mandalorian and where we are in star Wars right now, I would be really in because again, Bioware is all about like, relationships and interactions right and also you like a big part of bioware games is being able to have sex with people <laughs> and so very important you can't forget that, that doesn't work really well in a jedi scenario because jedis are all alone for the most part and are not allowed to love anybody <laughs> however <laughs> sorry sorry well and you see how that turned out <laughs> yes so, good point good point root Ruru, you just said a cursed comment, and I'm considering giving you a timeout just from that. 
Just from that. I'm not going to because I don't believe in abusing mod powers, but man, that was a cursed comment. So anyways, but if you think about a game where you are on a starship with your crew, you are going to other planets, you're solving problems on other planets, and you could even follow the Mass Effect thing of like some big, you know, devastating secret project or something. Like, I feel like there's a way for them to make a cool Star Wars game. Mm -hmm. And that would, I would, I think that would get people to show up, right? To see a new Star Wars game from Bioware, that would be hype. People would be very hyped for that. Now, I would be very clear up front, like, we're not making a Jedi game. This is not Knights of the Old Republic. We're not doing the Old Republic. If they wanted to be crazy, they could do this new, uh, what do they call it? I think they're calling the, the High Republic. Oh, the High Republic, yes. So, I mean, if you yes, want to be insane yes. and try and, like, reduplicate your efforts on Old Republic, make Knights of the High Republic, and boy, you might win big or you might lose big. But I, I think I think that would be an interesting experiment. But at this point, I think Bioware is really committed to Dragon Age and Mass Effect. I think those are their two best franchises. Sorry, Anthem. I just don't. I think it. Dude, they, it took them three months to get the Christmas decorations taken down last year. Like, come on, dude. Like, it's. I'm no. sorry. I'm no. sorry. It's I just don't see it. I don't see it. No. no OK. I mean, it, it's I, I, I still have hope. You know, I I want to see yeah. what 2.0 is. I, I really I. Do you think this, 2.0 is even going to happen? Yes, I do. I, I, I 100% do. They've, I think even with Christian Daly shifting roles, like they put enough work into it that I think it's going to happen. I don't, with him leaving, I don't know to what state it's going to be at. Uh, hopefully, I think that they've really given enough feedback on what was wrong with the first Anthem. Anthem has the ca- capacity. It has the spark. There were just a lot of design decisions. And honestly, if you want to know the story of Anthem, go read Jason Schreier's article when he was at Kotaku. It tells you all you need to know about the state of that game and why it was crap when it got released. But for me, the spark was there. and The, the idea is there. It just, the implement, the implementation around the core was just trash. And I'm, I, I'm hoping that they've done enough to get rid of the trash and rebuild the um, excess to make it an enjoyable experience. I'm really just curious also about what they're going to do for people who already bought the game. Because... You're pissing a lot of people off if if you tell us that we have to buy that game again. That's all I gotta say. Or even I, I'll take an upgrade, like twenty bucks for an upgrade price, sure. But if you're like full sixty bucks, which we've talked about it before, it's a good chance that's gonna happen. Yeah, that's just not gonna sit well for a lot of people. But we'll see. I, I do think I don't think we're gonna see anything really valuable for a little bit. Like we're whatever we're gonna get from Dragon Age, we're gonna get. But when you have this big of a shakeup, I've been at a company that was acquired and. Uh, this is not an acquisition, but it is a huge power shakeup. It takes time for things to settle down. It takes time to get back to work. And yeah. I think I like optimistically, I would love to see something in that summer 2021 time frame as far as like, hey, here's what here's like if they don't show gameplay, like, you know, a story trailer or something. But I to answer my previous question, what do I want to see? I want to see Dragon Age ship next year. Like that's 
that's a game that I would want. They should be working 110% to get it out because Cameron, they haven't launched a good game since their previous Dragon. Like, and I say good game, like critically popular. Like they just yes. haven't done that since their previous Dragon Age. So if anything's going to work, it's going to be Dragon Age. And if you think you've got what's going to work, get it going. Get it going. Get it out the door. Show pe- Start showing it to people because you're really... Yep, uh, in the zeitgeist, you're getting replaced by CD Projekt Red, by Larian Studios. You're getting replaced by a lot of other people. And I want Bioware to succeed. I do not want Bioware to disappear. Rurutu in chat says, have they even shown a trailer? No. The most we've seen is concept artwork. And that was, I think, at last year's Game Awards. Well, it was. they showed a teaser trailer, but it used clips and audio from the Trespasser DLC. So it was not any... It was basically just like... Re- recycled assets. It was recycled that. assets. And it, I would say it was much more of like a teaser. Like it was... It didn't show anything. It was just basically, hey, we're working on a new Dragon Age. Yeah. And uh, I am hoping... That's why I said I hope that what they have at the Game Awards is a gameplay trailer with Summer being a gameplay demo showcase kind of thing mm-hmm. and then perfect world that would be a holiday this year I, why not follow the same template dude why not make it a game that releases the holiday after a new console release and be there for people who are hungry like people are so hungry for cyberpunk to be a next-gen game that they are buying it before it's even a next-gen game right like that's people well, are hungry they can't do that because consoles. that's when we're going to get halo infinite is next next year. So, well, yeah, you're right. It can't compete with Halo Infinite, the other giant open world RPG, right? Uh, well, yeah, okay. Very good point. Good point. Good point. We'll see. Uh, we, we will, will see, see, guys. Uh, you know, what do you guys think? Let us. What, what do you think about Bioware, the state it's in? Um, are you concerned about the studio and the games they're making? Are you like, oh, this shouldn't be a problem? Let us know. I am at. Rocky Punch Go over on Twitter. You can find Seth over at Darth Turner over on Twitter as well. Let us know what you think. Guys, um, we definitely want to hear from you. But other than that, guys, that is a wrap for episode 31 of the Rocket Punch Show. Um, thank you guys, of course, as always, for joining us here. Uh, Seth, any plugs you've got for us? Oh, right now. Listen, it's December. I'm taking it easy. Uh, so I've, I'm kind of light on streaming right now. So just follow me at Darth Turner on Twitter. I will let you know when I'm going to be streaming stuff in the future, but right now I'm focused on Assassin's Creed, and, and I got to finish that before Cyberpunk comes you have, out. You have four days. I have four technically, days. Technically, I've, three I've gotten, and a half. I've got to basically build out. Cameron, I, we are building a brand new PC gaming room just for Cyberpunk. Right? <laughs> we have timed it so that all the setup will be done before Cyberpunk comes out. I am. We're getting a his and her gaming setup. It is going to be miraculous. We've actually already started clearing out this room. So next week, I had to buy new lights also because these lights are going to have to go away. So I, next I, week... I'm curious. I want to hear what... Um, I, 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 I can't wait for our discussion on Cyberpunk next week. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. But like next, like next, I've got to rebuild my whole setup because I'm changing desks. It's going to be crazy. Exactly. I can't wait. Cyberpunk... Give it to me. I'm so ready to play that game for good or bad. It's either going to... Dude, it, it could also... Like, we could be days before episode one of Phantom Menace. Dude, we could be, like, 
in that hype well, before. We'll know that on uh, tomorrow afternoon. So when embargoes get lifted and I start, we'll like see. my feed flooded with all these, oh my God, it's, it's as great as you think it is, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll find out. But guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, always appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to join us next week. We're definitely going to talk about Cyberpunk. We're definitely going to talk about the Game Awards. We're going to see if we're right on our predictions that we had last episode on Game on Game Awards and a whole lot more. So don't miss out. Until then, guys, good night and good game. <laughs>